welcome back to another episode of the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host. And if you are new here, each week we rotate through five different topics. We talk mindset, finances, faith, health, and our marriage. And this week's topic is on finances. And we're going to talk about what it looks like to teach our kids about finances. And y'all, this is like a beast of a topic. So I'm going to just do my best (laughs) to keep this thought-provoking, but also practical for you. So here we go. So this episode is going to be split into two parts. The first part is going to be mindset related. And then the second part is going to be more practical steps or just things that you can do. But first, I want to say that there are two books that have completely shaped the way that I and me and Justin are going to teach our children about money. And those books are Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Smart Money, Smart Kids. So if you leave this episode uh, wanting more, then I just, I encourage you to like go and get those two books. They are life-changing, uh, not only as, a, as parents, but just as individuals in general. So I encourage you to go get those. So we hear the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Oh Lord, right? And that is a saying or ideal that can spark a lot of emotions for so, so, so many reasons. And I am 100% not going to get into all of that. But here's a thought that has intrigued me since I heard it. One of the reasons that this sayings, this saying can be true is because finances are not taught in formal schooling, for the most part. They are mainly taught in the home. Now, we have math classes, you know, in high school where they may use a quote-unquote real-world financial example, but rarely are there required like finance classes in high school to teach financial literacy or truly understand like the intricacies of money and how it actually works. And then, I mean, let's just talk about the people who choose to go to college or get into college. Y'all, in my four-year journey of getting a bachelor's degree, I still never once had a finance class, ever. Like if you don't pursue a degree in finances or a field related to finances, then you don't get this education unless, I don't know, you choose it as like an elective, which what 20-year-old is going to choose finance as an elective if you don't have to, right? Nobody. If you don't choose to pursue a higher education then, or honestly, even if you choose it, like then you're just left with what high school taught you or what you grew up around. And unfortunately, a lot of times at home, we don't get explicitly taught financial literacy by our parents. If we do, it's something that sounds like, make sure you guys get good grades so you can go to college and get a high paying job. But then so many leave out the fact that the loans, (laughs) it's going to take you to get there, right? Or the way you take out loans, student loans, can bury you financially until you're like 50. I mean, student loans are a beast, especially if you take them out, like uh, not really understanding the consequences of them, right? We also hear like, if you don't work hard, you're not going to get paid. And this is a narrative that's kind of instilled in most people for their entire childhood and really even into their adulthood, right? But what if, what if all of that is not true? Or at best, what if it's only partly true? And if you are thinking, wait, what? (laughs) 
of course all that advice or those notions are true about money. Like we have to work hard in order to get paid. Or if you go to college, you can get a higher paying job. Okay. I, again, am going to urge you to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. In this book, the author talks about his childhood and how he had two fathers. He had his rich father, which is actually his friend's dad, and his poor dad, which is his biological father. And so when I started reading this book or even just heard of the cover, I kind of assumed that his rich dad was going to be, you know, rich, obviously. And then his poor dad was going to be super poor. But in reality, his rich dad was wealthy and had money working for him. He did not work for money. While his poor, here's the key, but highly educated father made a lot of money, but worked hard for it and barely had any money working for him. So the flip of the switch is that the poor dad is actually college educated and has a great paying job and is kind of living the quote unquote American dream, so to speak. And a question asked in this book is this, if you stopped working, how long would you be able to go and still live the lifestyle you are living? If you stopped working, how long would you be able to go and still live the lifestyle you are living? Most people maybe a couple paychecks before you're behind. Some rich people, maybe six to 12 months before you start falling behind. If you're super rich, maybe like three or four years. But wealthy people who have investments that are making them money while they get to sit on the couch, they could choose to never work and all of their expenses are gonna be paid. You know, Justin and I are in real estate. And you hear a lot of people in this real estate world say, if you want a Mercedes, then buy yourself a rental house or a couple rental houses that will cash flow, you know, what's a Mercedes worth? $800 a month. So that your rental houses are paying that car payment. Do you see how that's kind of a different way to think? Like most people would think, well, maybe not that they want a Mercedes, but just go with the example here. Most people would think, I want a Mercedes. So I'm going to pay $800 a month for it out of my paycheck that I have to physically go to a job and work for. And I am trading my time and my physical energy for that paycheck. Well, if you stop working, then that money from your job stops also. And then you're in trouble because you still have this payment. But if you have an asset on the side that is making you money, and this is outside of your income, right? Outside of your like J-O-B income. If you have an asset as like a rental property on the side that is making you money and you are using the money you're making from that asset to pay for your car, then your security is not in your job anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like your job can create an income for you, for sure. And it provides the means to be able to invest in assets like a rental property that can make money for you. This is a concept, you guys. It took me like a while 
to wrap my mind around. So if you need to like rewind and re-listen to that, feel free. (laughs) And actually, you know, as I read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, some of the things he said kind of like made me upset. But then as he walks through them, it starts to make perfect sense. And I think that I think it made me upset because just my way of thinking was being rocked completely. You know what I mean? Um, And so I think that I could probably do like an entire episode on passive income and real estate and assets and liabilities, but you're here to learn about how to teach your kids money, right? So I'm going to wrap kind of this part of the episode up, but I think it's important that you recognize that the majority of what your children will learn about finances is going to come from you. So I am learning that it's putting the responsibility in my hands to really know what I'm doing and what I'm talking about because the cultural norm of being just honestly financially illiterate and really living by the whole like you need to work for money narrative may not actually be the best advice. So I invite you into this conversation of possibly going against everything you know about money and wealth and kind of re-entering this conversation with an open mind. And I am happy to like continue to talk, especially in our community group on Facebook about this. If you guys have more questions, especially surrounding rental properties, there's a bunch of different ways that you can have passive income, but real estate is kind of our jam. Hey guys, jumping in here super quick to say that we have a five-day decluttering challenge happening over in the Legacy Through Motherhood community group on Facebook. The challenge will start on June 1st. Signups have already started and they are in the show notes of this episode on my Instagram profile and in my Facebook group. And there will also be an awesome, awesome live giveaway the day after the challenge ends on June 6th. So join us as we work together to just take back our time and space so we can make room for the things that are the most important in our life. Okay, so with that said, let's talk through some ways we can teach our children about money outside of you know teaching ourselves more about money in general. First, I wanna share my goal in teaching my kids about money and how that's been altered slightly the more I kinda of learn about how money works. So if you agree or relate to this goal, like feel free to steal it as your motivation, as you're raising your little ones. So my goal for my four boys is to teach them about how money works so that they do not enter in as the man in their marriage with a bunch of debt. And by the way, if I had daughters, y'all, I would teach them the exact same thing. But I am a mom of boys, so this is specific to me. It is natural for someone to be a spender or a saver by nature. So I want my boys to recognize which one they are, and I want them to understand how to have self-control around that. So they don't get their family into a bad situation because they can't control their spending. Or if they are more than a, of a saver, then I want my boys to learn to be generous you know, with their money. And I also need them to understand that they may marry a woman who is the opposite of them. And that's okay, right? Like neither of them are wrong in what comes naturally to them. 
but both really need to have an awareness kind of around their tendencies and impulses so they can keep each other or themselves in check. I also want my sons to pursue their passion, right? Like even if that passion leaves them in a career that makes, I don't know, $30,000, $40,000 a year, you guys, most millionaires actually make less than 100000 So it's not about making millions you know, of dollars to become a millionaire. It's about how you handle the money that you do have. So I want my boys to feel confident to pursue their passion and feel comfortable in that because they're financially literate and understand how to make that work and what it looks like to live below their means regardless of what they make. And with that said, what has started to evolve in just what I want to teach them is the importance of teaching my sons how to create passive income, like we were talking about with the real estate before. This way, it just, it doesn't really matter how much salary they get paid for doing something that they love. You know, I'm going to teach them how to invest their income from their job into assets that make them money so that their income really has no ceiling. And this is going to be so helpful in my mind, right? They're still young. But in my mind, this is going to be helpful for so many reasons. But especially like if one of my boys are not bringing in a huge income because, you know, I don't know, they choose to do something that does does not have a great income, but their wife like decides that she wants to stay home and raise their babies one day, then I pray that they actually have the option to do this because... Because his income is not going to be limited to the income he's making from his job. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to teach him how to have an income. Well, I'm not going to teach him how to have an income. I'm going to teach him how to work so he has a job. But then I'm going to teach him how to take that income and, and like make it work for him. You work for money and then you turn around and you make that money work for you. I feel like a lot of us get, we stop at the we work for money. And that's where we live. We work for money. We work for money. Okay, let's then also continue that story and turn around and make that money work for us. That's what I want to teach our children. So those are kind of the main things I want to teach them about money that I really feel like will set them up for just, I don't know, like financial success later and give them choices. So how can we teach them money or about money at a young age? Well, number one, one of my favorite things, and you'll hear this in the Ramsey world all the time, is to give your kids commission instead of allowances. The only way that kids are going to learn about money is if they have some. And unless a kid is like 15 years old, they can't really get a normal job that has consistent income. And a five-year-old can't even babysit, right? Or do other odd and in, odds and in jobs that could create some money like older kids can, like mow the lawn or whatever. So you can give commission. We do not give our kids an allowance of, you know, here's $20 for the week, spend it how you want. But once it's gone, it's gone. I feel like that is something that happened kind of in the past a lot. But instead, we choose to have them work for money. They get paid for doing chores around the house. And now, for those of you who think, uh, no, my kids can clean their room because they live here and are part of this family. Absolutely. Right? Like, I'm with you on this. We have chores where you just freaking do it because you're part of this family and you need to contribute. But then we have other chores where the kids can earn money for doing them. And these may be more involved or maybe specialty type chores like, I don't know, think like deep cleaning, clean the baseboard, wiping doors down or making their bed. I don't know. It honestly does not matter. 
just have two categories of chores. One that is because you're just a part of the family and the other one is so they have a chance to get paid. And side note, one of the things that are on our kids like chore list is to ask a sibling or a parent how they can help them. So for example, Noah's chores might be, I don't know, like make his bed, put away his laundry, clean his room, wipe down the bathroom sink, and ask someone how you can help them. So he would finish, you know, his first four chores, but then in order to actually be done with his chores for the day, he needs to go find one of his younger brothers or Justin or I and say, hey, I'm done with my stuff. How can I help you? Sometimes that looks like helping, you know, one of his younger brothers finish a chore of theirs or helping me with something small. And the point of this is to teach them to work hard, but to also get in the habit of like doing their work well and then not just being like, okay, peace, (laughs) going to watch my show. You know, I did my part. But to do their part and then look up to see like, okay, how can I help someone else? And the point is just that they are aware of others. And you guys, it's been one of my most favorite things that I have taught my boys. Like, how can I help is a term used a lot in the Sims household. And I would encourage you just to add that on. It's super easy to tack on to really anything that they're doing. And another quick thing I've expected of my boys is that they come home from school and they still need to do, you know, their chores or help around the house. I used to let Noah, who, for those of you who don't know, he's almost eight, um, but I used to let him come home and just relax on the couch after after school and just let him unwind, right? And you guys, I still do. <laughs> but he at least needs to come home and give me a hug and, you know, we talk for a minute or so and, and then he just asks, hey, mom, is there anything I can do to help? Or anything I can do to help you, mom? And he needs to do this before he goes and watches a show or whatever. Why do I do this? Because we are raising little men in this house. I don't want him, you guys, growing up and like going to work all day and then coming home and beelining it for the couch to binge a show or play video games for an hour as an adult man. Like I want him to come home and talk to his wife, like ask her about her day, spend the little bit of energy to like initiate that conversation with her before anything else. Like, I also want him to come home and ask her, like, hey, how can I help you? Or honestly, just see a need and fill it without having to ask, right? And as a stay-at-home mom, Justin comes in from work and does this daily. And it's just, it's a blessing. Like, when I worked out of the house, I still got home before Justin. But when he got home after working super long days, uh, he would still do this. Anyways, for the most part, you know, Noah will ask if there's anything he can help with. And I'll typically just say, nobody, thanks for asking. I mean, y'all, he's seven. (laughs) I'm not trying to like have him go scrub the bathroom after an eight hour school day. I just want him to get into the habit of engaging with someone when he gets home after a long day. And if I do say yes, you know, usually it's something small like, hey, yeah, buddy, could you actually take these few things to your room? That's it. You know, it's been a very sweet thing in our home that has been implemented. Okay, so back to commission. 
Kids have to make money, y'all, to be able to feel the effects and the weight and the emotion of money. So we are a big fan of commission in this house, though you can probably start as young as three. Um, I really feel like my seven-year-old is kind of the perfect age for this now. Like we started and stopped commission type things because it seems a little over the young one's heads and just keeping up with it seemed like a lot, honestly. But now that Noah's seven, it's something that we can probably start to pick back up again and we'll have just a little bit more impact. So what do they do with the money then, right? This is a conversation you can have with younger ones, even if you don't give them money. Obviously, it's more impactful impactful with money, but the lesson can still be learned so that when the time is appropriate for them to kind of make some money around the house, they already know what's about to happen with it once they earn it. So basically, I give all of my boys three mason jars, and the jars have labels on them, and they say give, save, and spend. So I teach them that there's three things that you can do with money. And actually, as I'm like literally talking through this, I might add a jar that says invest. Hmm. (laughs) Figure out how to fill this one in. See, it's ever-changing, you guys. Okay, but let's just keep this simple right now with just the three jars. Basically, their give jar goes along kind of with their tithe for church, and the spend jar is for something small at the store like a candy bar or like a Hot Wheel. And then the save is for a bigger toy that costs, I don't know, like 20 or more dollars. I personally think it's easier to pay them like once a week rather than every single day, and I think it's also easier to pay them just a set amount for each chore, like a dime or a quarter, and then just go get a roll from the bank of whatever coin you choose to use. And the hard part, in my opinion, about commission or just paying your kids is like consistency. I feel like it's hard for them to learn a lesson when money starts to lose its value because they never get it (laughs) or you don't ever take them out to spend it because you're just not consistent with either paying them or Um, taking them to go get that toy they saved for or, you know, whatever it is, which is kind of why I've started and stopped a couple times because I just wasn't, well, A, I don't know. I just, my mind, you know, mom life, whatever, just got too busy, got, it was just too complicated. I, I personally made it too complicated or whatever it might be. And so I've started and stopped, but I think picking a coin has really helped. So I'm not trying to like 25 cents for this and 10 cents for this and you get a dollar for, no, like, Pick a coin. That's easy. Three jars. That's easy. Pay them weekly. That's easy. Okay. So I have been kind of inconsistent with it. However, what has been consistent is the conversation around money. Like the conversation did not start and stop. So my boys could all tell you, give, save, spend, give, save, spend, give, save, spend. Like they know that even if I've kind of sucked at implementing it right? And I really truly think now at seven, almost eight, like actually implementing the money and for Noah to really wrap his mind around it, I think it's a perfect age to kind of start that up again. So the conversation, you guys, about money is always happening in this house. But as far as like the real life tangible lessons with money, I think it's been easier now that Noah's older. Okay, so another way to teach kids about money that I think is really great is to play games right? What better way? And actually, there are some games out there for adults around money that I will recommend also. So Dave Ramsey has a, it's not really a game, but it's called Financial Peace Junior. 
And it's a great resource for little ones. It's not like a literal board game, but there's just resources to help you teach your kids about money. And I think they have to like create a budget. Um, there's I know there's little envelopes for the whole give, save, spend uh, habit you want to kind of get them into. And just kind of points back to like what we've been talking about in this episode. And it also comes with teachings from Dave Ramsey and his daughter, Rachel Cruz, for you. So that is super helpful. Monopoly can always be a good game to work with money as they get older, although Sims can't play that game because we are way too competitive. Um, But for adults, Dave Ramsey actually has a game that's called Act Your Wage, and it's good. I mean, it's got a good premise. It's not the funnest game. Funnest? Is that a word? It's not the funnest game, most fun game, you know, in the world, but it really actually like lets you just practice getting out of debt and it helps you just wrap your mind around the how you do it and kind of the why of getting debt free. And it really helps you understand why he does the baby steps he does and the order he does them in. And then there's a game called Cashflow that was created by the author of Rich Dad Poor Dad. And the board game is actually about $100. But you can play for free at richdad.com. I think you have to like, you know, put your email in or whatever and they'll they'll send it to you. But we think the game is super fun. We've played one day. I think we played like five hours worth or something. It's crazy. You can invite friends into your room or like your, you know, game room or whatever. So we would play with some family. And um, basically you start out with like an income and, you know, you have a house, a credit card bill, you know, some debt. And then you get presented a bunch of different deals like on your turn you get presented a deal or whatever whatever comes up on your turn and you have to figure out if it's a good deal or a bad deal and then you either you know take the deal or you don't take the deal whatever and a lot of it's real estate like it's what about this house that's at this and you know whatever and then your goal is is to create enough cash flow to fund your life basically and that sounds complicated but it's really not. It takes probably two turns to like really figure out, um, you know, how to play or kind of get the hang of it, even if you are good with money. But once you get playing, it's super simple. I mean, my turn, I could do it in less than 10 seconds every time. So it sounds complicated, like it would be a really whatever finance game, but actually you could do it, you could learn it pretty quickly. And every round takes or every turn is like under 10 seconds. And so you can play a game with four people in 25 minutes. So, and it's online and it's free. Okay. So richdad.com. And I think like right there on the main page, it says play a cash flow classic. And that really, really, really drives the point home that how important it is to have assets that make you money. And it really also drives the point home that you don't have to be a freaking millionaire to win. There's a lot of times where you all get chosen kind of like um, the game of life where you get different salaries, different jobs, that kind of thing. Same thing happens in this game. And so it really proves the point that somebody could be making $9,500 a month and lose to someone who's making $2,500 a month because of the different investments and whatever else. Okay. So it helps you wrap your mind around how to get past that first stage where we work for money. Cool. We all got to work for money, but then what? right? How do we turn that around and make money work for us? That's what that game does for us mentally with, you know, fake money. So that's nice. Okay. So another thing you can do is let your kids appropriately in on the financial conversation that is happening in your home. Like when I sit down to do our bills, 
explaining to my boys that, you know, the house costs money, their football costs money. I mean, I've told my boys if they like see me scrolling Amazon, I'll just say out loud sometime, look, this is something mommy really wants, but I'm not going to get it. And what's a question that naturally comes out of a seven-year-old or a five-year-old's mouth? Well, why is their question? And then I can say whatever the heck I want. Either, you know, it's just not really in the budget right now or, well, I really want it, but I, I don't actually need it. So I'm going to not get it or whatever the heck you want to say. So looking for opportunities just to have a conversation about finances is super important. Noah actually loves to play the cash flow game next to Justin and me. He's not quite old enough to understand the deals yet with all the percentages and stuff, but he kind of gets the big picture of the game and it's cool to see his little mind spinning when we choose, you know, big deals or small deals. And we kind of on a very age-appropriate level are explaining the game. And I honestly, I feel like he's going to want to play with us here shortly. (laughs) So just see your life and finances as an adult, kind of like a hands-on finance school for your children. Because remember, they are learning like 90% of finances at home, not at all their formal schooling, not even in their higher education schooling if they actually go to that. And y'all, let them see mistakes that you have made, right? Like we have said in front of our children, dang, that was a bad choice to get that. Or man, we spent way too much on that or whatever. Like the goal is that they learn from us. I'd rather my kids learn from like our mistakes than their own because Lord knows they're going to make enough of their own still, even with us teaching them the best we can. But the goal is to just minimize their mistakes because they're armed with the knowledge of how money actually works. Like I want my boys to be confident when it comes to finances. I don't want them to be scared of it because they don't understand it. Okay, so those are kind of the big things, but I'll just list a couple more things that we will teach our boys as, you know, the appropriate time comes. So we will teach them cash only and no credit cards. In the book, Smart Money, Smart Kids, Dave and Rachel actually talk about how they basically talk to their, I don't know, 10, 11, 12-year-olds or whatever, and basically say, hey, whatever money you save up from now until you're 16, when you're 16, I will match whatever money you saved, and we can use that to get you a car. So if you have $1,000 saved, then I'll match a thousand and we'll go get you a $2,000 car, you know, so on and so forth. Though Dave Ramsey goes on to say that someone, and y'all, I can't remember, I could not find this book for the life of me in my house. And it's been a couple years since I've read it. So don't quote me on this, but the point is still the same. But basically one of his kids saved like $16,000 in those years. And so if they, if, you know, Dave would have truly matched their money, then that would mean a 16-year-old would have been driving a $32,000 car, which he refused to let happen because that would be done. Instead, and, you know, I'm just going to assume this is one of Dave Ramsey's kid. Again, I can't remember. I don't have the book in front of me. But instead, he said this, listen, as your father, I cannot let you get a $32,000 car at 16 years old. But Let's get you a car, you know, a nice one, I don't know, on like 8,000. And then I'm going to teach you how to invest the rest so that that money that you worked so hard for 
is going to turn around and start working for you, right? Great, great lesson. Okay, so anyways, we're going to teach them, you know, the seven baby steps of Dave Ramsey. We're going to teach them how to create a zero budget and what that means. We're going to teach them to live below their means, and we will lead by example with that. We will teach them gratitude so that they are thankful for what they do have. We will teach them to ask themselves if they can afford something that they want, not to ask themselves if they can afford the payment for something they want. We are going to completely steer them away from student loans as humanly possible. We will teach them how to invest in what cash flow looks like and can mean for them. And we will teach them to be generous and to be financially literate. And you all, I mean, that is a lot. So that's the goal. But Lord knows, like we are probably not going to be able to do all of those things well. Like that's impossible. But we're going to (laughs) try. I hope that... Through all of our efforts, our boys leave our home with just a solid foundation of maybe not every single thing, right? We wish that they would have taught them, but at least a solid foundation, you know, nonetheless. And then we will continue to teach them even into their adult years, and we will continue to coach them everything that we are still learning about money, just like my parents are doing for us. I mean, my mom and my stepdad got into real estate probably a year, two years before we did. And they turned around and were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> Let's talk about this. <laughs> Let me teach you everything you know. You know, here's how we messed up. Here's what's been amazing. And so Justin and I now have four rental properties and we love it. So, you know, as a parent, you continually coach your adult child, even in, in, even in their adulthood. And for those of you out there that are like, Steph, I seriously do not know what the heck I am doing with money. And I do not feel confident to teach my kids about it. I seriously encourage you, if this is you, to binge financial content. Pick a time, 14 days. Perfect. For 14 days, I encourage you to not listen to music. Instead, put Dave Ramsey's podcast on and listen to every episode you can in 14 days. This episode right now is the fifth Legacy Through Motherhood podcast about money, so feel free to go back and binge those five. Then pick a book. Either get a physical one or get one on Audible and either commit to reading it or, you know, popping it in your ears and listening to it. The first way to combat being afraid to even, you know, lean in to your finances is to start familiarizing yourself with finances. And listen, I'm not asking you to go read like a finance textbook. Good Lord. Like that would be not fun, not helpful, right? I'm asking you to listen to the advice from someone who was done with their money and then figured it out, Stephanie Sims, and, you know, started making moves to get to the other side. Like I share our financial story in the previous financial episode. I think it's literally called our financial journey, (laughs) okay? Or our journey to financial freedom. Go listen to that. Dave Ramsey will say, if you have been done with money, congratulations, you are over 12 years old, right? Like we've all, all been there. And so, you know, I'm not asking you to read a financial textbook, you guys. I'm asking you to listen to Dave Ramsey's podcast where it's literally just him taking call after call after call of people laying down their scenarios and Dave giving them advice. And this is exactly what I did when we got serious about becoming debt-free. I binged all 
kinds of financial content before I really even made any changes financially. Because it's one thing to know with your head, like the debt sucks. It's a whole other thing to realize, holy crap, there are hundreds of thousands of people in my same exact situation making moves and getting debt free, right? Like other people's stories have the power to kind of pull you out of the cave we tend to hide in when we pretend like, oh, I think everything is fine, you know? Like we're just doing what everybody else is doing or we're doing what we were taught. Like we're going to job or we're going to our job. We're working hard. We're feeding our family. Like, you know, but no, like, no, you guys, like there is a different way and it is so life-giving. And I invite you, like I invite you to come along for the ride and it can be grueling. Like it can be grueling in the moment to flip that switch. But once you get some momentum and you start to see the glimpse of a different type of life in a switch flips, where like nothing can stop you, it is a game changer. It's a game changer, you guys. And and this is where the chains of just generational financial hardship break. And now you just have a fire lit underneath of you because this madness stops with you. And never again will your family be in this situation of living paycheck to paycheck or being buried in debt because Now that you know better, you do better and you teach better, right? And the legacy of your family will be forever changed because you said, I am done. I am so freaking done living this way, right? Like that's what happened to me. All of a sudden, you are not complacent anymore. You're not okay with being complacent anymore. You get angry, like angry at the life your debt is stealing from you, angry at the arguments it's causing for you and your spouse, like angry at the time it is stolen from you because you cannot stay home with your babies like you want to. That is what lit the fire beneath me. I was not able to be a stay-at-home mom when I really wanted to because of the choices that we had made. Like just angry because this is your only life and you are standing up and refusing. I mean, you guys absolutely refusing to let it continue in the trajectory that it's on. And you guys, that's exactly what happened with us. And this calls for a hard stop. This calls for screeching wheels, sacrifice, and it's probably going to like jar everyone awake (laughs) because y'all, it is about to go down. Like cars are about to be sold. Credit cards are about to be cut up or like my parents put in a waffle iron. No's are about to be just thrown around for almost every single ask that's out there. Your houses might be completely downsized like we did. I mean, we are like not playing around anymore. I talked about in episode one, the battle for your mind, that y'all the devil is not playing around, you guys. Like, I think that debt is the number one way he is attacking people, especially in America. Scripture says the borrower is the slave to the lender. And how true is this? I mean, you feel it. Like you feel that when you have debt, you feel the limited options that you have. You feel the tension and the arguments and the no's that you have to say. Like finances are a beast, you guys, because it is so emotional. It's so emotional. It can be a little difficult to wrap your mind around some of the concepts and on top of everything, 
it's taboo to freaking talk about with anyone, which is so frustrating to me because how in the world are we supposed to shine a light on our financial situation when it's not a burden we carry together? And I talk about in episode three, honesty in your finances, you know, this concept that we can be in the know with some of our friends' finances without knowing exact numbers in their bank accounts. Like there's a way to have financial conversations with the ones we love without going too far. But it's just really not like a muscle, I guess, that we've been trained to use. So I am hoping, God, I am hoping that in this community, we are at least comfortable to start the conversation, to ask for help and to lend advice and to share our stories and just stand next to each other in this journey because it's never really over right? There's like new things to learn and there's unique situations that pop up that we just aren't really sure how to handle. I mean, I feel pretty confident around finances at this point in my life. I hadn't, I haven't always felt like that. But just last week, I called my mom to talk through like a financial situation Justin and I have kind of found ourselves in. And it's, it's a good one, but I was still unsure of like how to move forward, like in a way that was going to be the smartest way. And my mom and I talked for like an hour. We didn't never talked about specific amounts, but we just talked in general terms what the smartest choice for us would be. You know? So we've got to start talking about it. But all right, I think I'm going to get off my soapbox now. <laughs> if you don't know me, if this is your first episode, welcome. Finances are like my most favorite, most favorite, most whatever thing to talk about because you guys, we've gosh, we've been done with our money and we've been smart with our money and it's just possible. And so I just want everyone, like, I needed a fire lit under me. Um, and so I just, I pray that you guys find whatever that is that will light a fire under you. And then seriously, like, I am here for any and all questions. I am, there is nothing off limits. Like, private message me, DM me, whatever. I am happy to help you get organized, you know, whatever. Like I just would, I, if I could just sit down with all of you and have a cup of coffee um, and just talk through and organize and look at budgets and give you just like a plan, I would. But obviously I can't do that. So as I'm just doing what I can on this podcast for now. Anyways, if you do not have someone, you know, in your life that can spur you on and for you to spur on, then seriously, just message me. Um, and then also... Make sure to follow me on Facebook at Legacy Through Motherhood or Instagram at Legacy underscore through underscore motherhood just for some daily financial encouragement this week for finance week. The topics obviously change every week. And make sure to join um, the Legacy Through Motherhood Facebook group for encouragement and challenges that will happen there also. And you guys, if this episode encourages you, consider sharing it with others that may need to hear the same message, you know, that we're all in this together fighting for one another. Like we are all either one step ahead or one step behind someone else. So may we be humble enough to follow the person in front of us and just to not forget to lead that person behind us. And through all of this, I I want you to remember, regardless of financial decisions that you have made in the past, whether they be good, whether they be bad, you are already as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, as a, you know, whatever, you are already enough. 
Join me in the next episode as we circle back around to the topic of faith. I am looking forward to continuing this journey with you to help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace.